Hello, Internet. My name is Walter Ciades Fedchuk, and welcome to an incredibly special edition of the Final Cut Podcast presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. I am not going to waste any time teasing or taunting or anything. I said at the end of the last episode, we're talking about John Wick 4, um, a movie that the second it was announced, I was extremely, extremely excited for. And uh, I had to be reminded, actually, um, that my good friend and podcast co-host Chase Wassener actually likes action movies. So when I said, hey, do, what do I have to do to convince you to watch John Wick 4? He's like, just ask me to watch John Wick 4 and I'll fucking watch it. And Chase, I didn't realize it was going to be that fucking easy. <laughs> I mean, first of all, uh, the John Wick series is the best action series currently in existence. Um, I, I love, uh, everything about how the first three films came together. Um, and I was very excited to watch this. I will admit I may have been a little bit irresponsible in my planning for this particular episode of the pod. I may have delayed a little bit longer than I should have due to some stuff that was going on IRL. Uh, may have gotten a $75 parking ticket because I had originally planned to move my car <laughs> when I went to go see the film and then delayed it until the literally a couple hours before we're recording this. And, you know, Walter, it's really funny. Uh, if you live in a place like L.A. and you don't pay attention to the theater name beyond uh, that it is close to you, and that uh, it has a showing at the time that you want, you can end up in some pretty silly situations. Like, for example, watching this film at Universal Studios today is <laughs> the first time I've ever been to Universal Studios. No fucking way! <laughs> yeah, I just it's like 10 minutes away, so I drove over, I went to the parking lot, I'm like, this seems like a lot, there's no like special place for the movies, they're like, no. Uh, by the way, parking's $30. I'm like, that can't be correct. And they're like, don't worry. You get 25 back in cash when you're done with the film as long as you go to the ticket office. So I'm like, okay. Um, and then I had to walk through this like weird walkthrough area of Universal Studios to go see the film. That is, that is fucking incredible. <laughs> and if I ever come out and visit you in LA, we're going to a movie there. Absolutely. Like, I'll fucking pay for the parking. I don't care. That's that's like way better than what I was going to talk about for my experience. Um, but I, I think like maybe other than the universal, I think we had kind of similar experiences because I was going to come into this and be like, you know, Chase, have you ever gone to a movie at 1130 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the matinee. Uh, you got to love the discount you'll get from some places for doing that. Um, On a Monday. I had to add the Autumn Monday. <laughs> did, did you have the theater to yourself? Were you able to like spread out across multiple chairs? Well, so it's so like, to be honest, the theaters that I go to up here, even when we go to like a Saturday night or a Friday night, like my partner and I, like they're never usually like jam packed. Also because I just don't go to like the opening weekend of movies anymore. Um, Cause I just don't think it's really like, I don't really think it's worth it. Like I, I'm listen, I want to say when Harry Potter four came out, I went and saw a midnight, you know, showing I dressed up with my friends. It was great. Like, but those days are kind of done and gone. And I just go to a movie when I feel like going to a movie and my partner really didn't care about seeing John wick. So I was like, that's fine. Like, cool. I have to watch it for the podcast. And like, 
okay, I have one day a week I can go see it, Monday. I've got to do it sometime during the day before my partner gets home. So I'm like, what's the earliest showing? So like, I'm, I don't lose my entire day. It was like 1130, I'm like, fuck yeah. And then I still somehow lost half of my day because this movie is two and a half hours long. <laughs> hey now, hey now, two hours and 49 minutes long. Give it its credit where it's deserved. And you better stick to the very end because there is a post-credit scene. And if you miss it, you were wrong to do so. Post-credit scene did not play at my theater. What? Post-credit scene did not play at my theater. I, I was sitting there as the credits were rolling, about to get up and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And I was like, wait, let me double check. Check the internet. Oh, there's a post-credit scene. Cool. Sat there, whipped through the entire credits. The lights came on full. No, no after-credit scene. So I know what, what happens in the after-credit scene. I just, I didn't get to see it. So when are we holding your movie theater responsible for the crime that they committed? Are we, is there like a, a GoFundMe to raise the legal funds for this crime that they've committed against? No, my ticket was like or? $6. I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll see the, I'll see the post credit scene when it comes to, when it comes to streaming, because I don't know, like the second this comes on to on demand, I might be spoiler alert here, folks. I'm not, I'm not going to make you wait till the end. This movie's a fucking 10 out of 10. And we're going to gush about why it's a 10 out of 10. And like, maybe Chase doesn't think it's a 10 out of 10 and he'll tell me how I'm wrong. But like, I'm probably going to get this movie the moment it comes into on demand and watch it again. Like, that's how much I fucking love this movie. And if you don't want to just hear me gush about this movie and say there's nothing wrong with it for an hour, maybe skip this podcast. Because like, if you thought Bullet Train was me gushing about an action movie, I mean, he's the Baba Yaga. What else am I supposed to do? Yeah, what could any of us do in the face of John Wick? Um, the the perfect balance of someone who is both superhumanly strong and capable of shaking off so much damage and so much violence over the course of each individual film, and yet still manages to find a way to make the like pain feel real. Like it hurts when you see some of these falls, and. That's a really hard balance to strike. I, I, I mean, I, I guess this is when we talk about like our expectations going into the film. But like, the John Wick series is fantastic. It has been the thing that has set the tone for where modern action films are. You can attribute a lot of the best action films that you've seen over the past few years to the original John Wick. To the point that my my roommate, uh, having not seen uh, John Wick until literally last week, I uh, was like, yeah, it wasn't quite as good as I, I thought it was going to be, but I think that's just because so much of that has been used elsewhere. And it's like, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry. They hadn't seen John Wick until last week. Yeah. And he's a movie guy too. He's like next month. He'll be How? watching a new movie every day. Um, How? How have you not watched this movie? Like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, it didn't uh, fit into our pretentious movie night calendar. Uh, I was I was going to say, you know what? He liked Tar, so maybe he wouldn't like John Wick. How dare you? Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, look, John Wick's really, it's just, there's nothing quite like it. Every single movie has had a scene that I've never seen anyone else do. Um, the motorcycle sword fight from the last film was incredible. Uh, the club scene from the second film, which I, th I think might be the best film in the series still. Um, 
just an incredible sequence. I they managed to one have a huge amount of weapon variety from scene to scene, uh, just always mixing it up, keeping you on your toes. And you make a protagonist that doesn't say a lot, but is eminently relatable in that they always feel as caught up in the situation as you are by their craziness, but just so perfectly adept at navigating it that they have no choice but to propel forward. Like, there's just nothing quite like it in cinema right now. And so I knew I was going to like this film going in. That was never the question. The question was only, where was it going to exist in the pantheon of John Wick films? And I think I'm going to figure that out while we're talking about it, because I literally saw this two hours ago. It's all fresh in the head, and I'm still digesting. But, oh boy, were there some fun shots in this film. It's it's John Wick. Like, what what am I supposed to say expectation-wise of what I expect to go into. I expect to see something and and like I'm going to I'm going to pause. And Donnie Yen is in this movie, which then like adds something to it. So going into this movie, I know we're going to get just like these ridiculously well choreographed and well action fight sequences and action sequences in general. We're going to get to see this dude just wearing a suit with long, like black hair, just mowing down into like thugs indiscriminately with a precision that I think you can only get with an aim bot in most video games. Um, there's all the stories that come out about like the type of actor Keanu is and how he really like tries to learn everything that he's doing and I know there was an article and I, I forget where so I apologize for not sourcing it correctly where like the director or stunt double or someone was talking about like most of the reloads are Keanu actually reloading the gun and like the the painstaking detail that they go through to like make sure that they are counting bullets throughout the scene so they know yep here's the bull okay now I have to reload and build that into the fight scene the the apparently he spent like weeks learning how to use nunchucks because of course there's a fucking nunchuck scene in this movie why wouldn't there be mm-hmm. there is again there's Donnie Yen so you're like all right Donnie Yen I'm gonna get some awesome you know martial arts and sword fighting sequences and then when the uh, manager of the Tokyo Continental comes out and it's Hiroyuki Sanada and I'm like I know that fucking guy. I'm pretty sure I just watched a movie like less than six months ago that he was in. And like, hell yeah, he was in fucking Bullet Train. And like, he's in everything. I was like, I'm pretty sure that dude's in Last Samurai too. And I go look at his IMDb. Yeah, he's in fucking Last Samurai. Like the second you just see some of these things happening, you know that something special is going to happen. And I just, I I knew I was going to love this movie. And I'm kind of with you, Chase. It was going to come down to where in the pantheon of the four movies Is it going to end up? Which one is the best? Which one is the worst? You know, kind of how you feel about all four movies and the entire story that they told. And I will say, based on everything that I had read prior to the movies, I wanted the movie to end with John Wick dead. Mm -hmm. That was what I wanted as a moviegoer coming into it. I wanted to see John Wick dead at the end of this. I wanted this to be Logan. That was ultimately what I was hoping for in the end. And spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the ending in a bit. And we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So once again, when we get to that point, I'll say spoilers. I'll tell you guys, hey, have a good night. Go watch the movie, then come back and listen to this part. 
But in my mind, going into the movie, that's how I wanted the movie to end. And Chase, when we do talk about this movie, there is this sort of overarching plot that's been throughout the four movies uh, regarding this sort of larger uh, group, this assassin order, essentially, that John Wick was part of and has sort of been kind of like moving his way through because he was out. He initially was out and then he came back in because in the first movie, uh, Theon Greyjoy decided to kill the gift from his wife, which was a dog, and steal his car. So then he had to get back in the game and then the this, you know, assassin organization is like, wait, we let you out. Like, we let you out under the agreement you said you're going to stay out and now you're back in. Now we got to kill you because you broke your promise. Like, come on. And that's sort of been the overarching story of John Wick 2, of John Wick 3. And now here we are into John Wick 4 as John Wick decides he is going to challenge the table uh, after the, and I, I need to look this up so I have it correct, the... Marquis Vincent de Gramont, played by Bill Skarsgård, uh, decides he's going to be the one to kill John Wick. Who doesn't love a pretentious French villain, right? Like, perfect casting, perfect execution of this just, like, snively little power-hungry, I will burn everything down if it gets me even a fraction percent more of power than I currently have. It's it's so fun to watch him really enjoy being evil, but also just allow that insecurity to constantly come through. Uh, there's a really great moment later where um, one of the members of the high table who's kind of watching over all of this tells him to make sure that his ambitions do not outstretch his worth. And it is a brilliant takedown of everything that his character has been and thematically is just perfect. This is a guy whose ambitions far exceed what he is actually capable of doing and he is willing to burn everything down for a chance at proving everyone wrong about their very accurate assessment of who this guy really is. It's just a, a brilliant mix of, of characters and elements from that regard. I, I do think to a certain extent the high table stuff can get a little bit caught in the weeds. Um, the third film, I think, suffered from that the most. And by suffered, I mean only in the loosest sense of the word. Like it was a 9 out of 10 film for me rather than a 10 out of 10 because there were some philosophical conversations that got a little bit muddy because we had to do all this world building when, let's face it, we're here to watch John Wick kill a bunch of people. And we just need the plot to give them an excuse to do that. But I think they made a really smart choice in narrowing things down to a marquee, right? Rather than having it be the whole high table that's constantly going after him, one guy has been appointed to be that person who takes John Wick down. And we have a, a very clear and singular focus with clear stakes for both John Wick and the marquee, should he fail at this. And you get a clear sense of personality from the way that he goes about it starting with you know destroying the continental in new york but then going to the osaka continental and basically massacring everyone there as well like it, you get so much flavor without having to get bogged down in the lore of it all and i am glad the film struck a really good balance on that front here and it's 
oh god, Skarsgård is just incredible, incredible. Because like you said, there is there's like two different ways you can go with a villain in a in a super action movie like this. Uh, I think of um, I think of Skyfall, right? Think of James Bond, just because James Bond is kind of like a quintessential action film that you have like two different types of villains. You have the the Javier Bardem in Skyfall, where it's another agent that is physically getting involved with Bond actually hand-to-hand fighting him, shooting at him. Uh, I think of Idris Elba as the villain in Hobbs and Shaw, the the um, uh, Fast and the Furious spinoff movie. Like, ah, no, nah, I'm actually going to, like, fight you. Like, mano a mano. Like, super villain versus super villain, you know, powered up bad guys, whatever. And then there are... Are the marquee? There are the um, the Blowfields, right? Where they're like, no, 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 no. We're the brains behind everything. We aren't actually going to get physically involved with you. We're just going to send every single poor person, I guess, who lives in the city of Paris to kill you. Like, I guess that's kind of what he's trying to do there. Or yeah, I'm going to send a hundred thousand armed men to a hotel in Osaka to, and again, this is a quote, it's not just enough to kill John Wick, you have to kill the idea of him, which is just some fucking brilliant villain shit. That's some fucking Star Wars, like feudalism, you know, high fan, that's some that's some good, good villainy shit right there. Like, it's not enough to kill him. I have to kill the idea of him. Uh, just, just incredibly well done. And I do agree. I think over the course of the series, that the high table stuff, um, and especially in three, where it does seem like they tried to all of a sudden do like this massive world building because they realized this movie franchise was like, oh shit, people really fucking like this stuff. Uh, I apologize for all the swearing. I, I I swear when I get excited. It's it's um, John Wick. If you're if you're having a hard time with swearing, I don't think the series is going to be for you. I think you might be looking for something different from your film series. I don't know. But, but yeah, I do agree that like all the massive like burst of world building they try to do in three does sort of drag that movie down a little bit for me. And it it does seem like they they fine tune it for this movie and they say okay. We're not going to focus on like the entire high table. It's that we're doing the uh, the shadow of Middle Earth thing where like you got to fight your way up through middle management and then you're going to get to the big boss at the end. And there are these great, I don't want to say set pieces because they're not like one little set. It's like these long scenes, these long stages essentially that John goes through and he beats the boss at the end of the stage and then he moves on to the next one. And, and the movie does such a great job of transitioning him from this is the obstacle he has to overcome. He succeeds. This is his reward from it. This mm-hmm. is the obstacle he has to overcome. He succeed uh, succeeds. This is his reward for it. And it does a very good job of, despite this movie being two and a half hours, sorry, two hours and 49 minutes. It didn't feel like two hours and 49 minutes to me. No, it, it didn't. And it's funny that you mentioned that kind of like video game level aspect of it all, where it's like, go through the thing, complete the task, get the prize. Because there is a sequence, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, because this is the kind of film where you talk about the action set pieces that stuck with you. Because that's ultimately the part that matters here. The plot is pretty straightforward. They're trying to kill him. He needs to find a way around it so that he doesn't have to be chased for the rest of his life. He finds his answer, and then the final duel happens. Like, that's, it's pretty straightforward because that's all it needs to be. But there's a great sequence during the uh, Paris chase 
Um, because again, we live in a, in this world, everybody's an assassin. There's just assassins everywhere, all over the place. So you can summon like 200 people in France to just go after him. But there's a scene where he gets an incendiary rifle, which is already brilliant, right? Like we're just going Borderlands now. This is it, a Borderlands gun. Nope, nope, nope. This is a real thing. It's a dragon's breath round and it's a shotgun shell. It's a real thing. I, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure it is. But like, it, as far as the effect and how it works in this, there is that like level of just like, you, you can see the fire splash damage like graphic come over the screen when he picks it up. And at least I like in my head, it's just like, it's it, it's such a fun tool to give John Wick. But then they take it even more fun by get, going and moving the camera up so it's like a top-down approach. And suddenly we're in Hotline Miami, which is Hell yeah. really cool, right? Like, first of all, Hotline Miami is what the John Wick game should have been, right? Uh, the John Wick game... I don't know if you played it. Maybe I'll play it for the pod one day. It's fine. But it's because Hotline Miami already exists, so they couldn't just do that. John Wick in this film basically just pulls a Hotline Miami, and from room to room, he has to perfectly nail every shot. It is like a level of super hot that you get to watch play in real time, and it's as if he got to take every moment to perfectly aim each of these shots. And does so while also having some character moments because of how he synergizes in that fight with um, Nobody, Mr. Nobody, and his dog, which brings a lot of other themes full circle, right? Um, it's, It's just, this film understands how to highlight what it is trying to do. The John, all the John Wick films have, but this one in particular lives up to that reputation by making some really interesting cinematic choices in addition to the kind of set piece choices. Um, You know, it's like, look, we're going to do another scene in a club because the club fight scene from two was really good. How do we make it different? Let's add some axes. We're just going to have axes now. It's just axes. And we're just wheeling them out. Just just axes. They add fucking waterfalls. Are you kidding me? That scene is fucking inc- that music has been stuck in my head since I've watched the movie and I have to listen to it at least once a day. Like that scene is fucking incredible and it's just one of those like granted there's some ridiculousness to the entire like plot and and the the setting of John Wick, right? What? You make the joke like I get it. It's a fucking fiction movie. Fuck off. I understand. Like, he never gets shot by a gun. Things like that. I get it. Like, or just like, because it's a bulletproof suit, which is fantastic (laughs) in world explanation. He can just lift his suit jacket and all of the bullets disappear. But but everyone can. Like, the bad guys, they can do that too. The, uh, what's his name? Um, Sheedy, who's like the, the right hand man, right? The, 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 the bodyguard essentially for the marquee. He does the same fucking thing. He's like, I'll just pull up my cart coat and I'll just block it. Like I'm the, the uh, planes guys from, um, from black Panther. They just like pull up mm-hmm. the blanket and nah, it's, you know, it's the force field, like whatever. But like watching that scene is just like, I understand that like, this is a movie, but none of these like club 
goers are worried about the fact that there's like a fight going on and there's axes being thrown around. And also there's no collateral damage. Like the only time a club goer gets touched is when the bad guy, uh, when Killa is like running away and he's like pushing his way through the crowd. Like that's the only time they get touched. And like, there's some moments where they like are like, oh my God, there's a fight going on, but they don't run away. They just like keep going fucking uns, 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 yeah. uns, uns, uns. It's until the end of it. And then they all fucking run out. It's like, got it guys. You had to let the DJ finish his set. Make sure you tip the waitress. And now I can run out after the fucking like assassin fight, which I, I mean that, it's so hard to pick a favorite scene from this movie because like from there, there's so many good action pieces. I love that nightclub scene, but then from the moment they like sit down at the table to figure out how they're going to do the duel until the end of the movie is, I, I have no complaints. It's fucking perfect. It's an incredible like hour stretch of like, all right, well, we got to get into the church on time because they're fighting at the the uh, Sacre uh, de Coeur, uh, which is like one of the cathedrals in, in Paris. And like, we got to get him to church on time. He's got to get there by 6 a.m. And like, here we go. Here's an hour of him getting there and then the duel. Like, I, I, I guess that's where I go. Like, I don't understand people complaining about the length or, or even commenting on the length because like, yeah, it there's some like, does it need to be two hours and 49 minutes? I don't know, but it doesn't feel like that because there's constant action. The times where you do stop to like have a moment, like when uh, Wick goes to talk to um, the manager of the, of the New York Continental at, mm -hmm. um, at uh, Caron's gravesite, essentially, right? Because mm -hmm. Caron dies at the very beginning of the movie. That's not a spoiler. I'm sorry. Like he dies at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, like that's a moment where you're like, okay, we need that breath. We need that breath when he goes from the table to talk to um, the, the Bowery King to like get his new suit and his gun because we're getting ready for this hour long marathon of him getting to the church so that he could be part of this duel so that him and the manager don't both die. Like, I, I don't know. I think the nightclub might be my favorite scene, but that entire last hour is also so incredible that it's kind of hard for me to be like, yeah, there's one scene in this movie I love more than the others. You know, it is it is so tough because uh, you're right. Everything about that Paris sequence is fantastic. The fight up the stairs and then him just getting clocked and falling oh, all the way down oh, the stairs again. So only so and that then all the guys he didn't kill getting back up. Yeah. And then all like just so he could team up with the guy who's been trying to kill him this whole time. Uh, Kane, who you have like Donnie Yen, first of all, incredible actor, like just Don adding Donnie Yen to just about any action film is going to add to what you have planned. But the just like very empathetic motive, right? Like he's got a daughter that he cares about and he's forced to the table the same way that like you could argue that John was forced back into the game, um, you know, didn't ask for it, but it was brought to him and he has to do what has to be done. And so you have this character who like, you know, obviously he's an antagonist because he's trying to kill John. Um, but at the same time, like he's really fun to watch in motion and you can't help but have empathy for him. So it's really fun when you finally get to see them team up and you can see like, oh, yeah, this is probably what it was like back when they were just friends working on these kinds of jobs and, and whatnot. Um, but it can't kill the dude with a pencil. Sure did. I I mean, for me, like. The best part um, 
there's so many best parts. I should be very careful here. I do think it's the Hotline Miami sequence that was my favorite just because the incendiary uh, shotgun is just what a brilliant inspired choice that was. Um, but my second favorite has to be like like right after that scene, that sequence, but still in that particular like abandoned uh, building. You get the moment where one of the henchmen is about to kill Mr. Nobody's dog. And it's great for the record that Mr. Nobody, uh, played by Shamir Anderson, um, did a fantastic job with this. No idea who he was before this. We'll be paying attention to him now. Um, it's like him and his dog who are just really good at tracking people. Um, and he, like his dog has gone out to fight this henchman and the dog is about to get shot. And John Wick has a choice of whether to shoot Mr. Nobody and save himself against a guy who is very clearly trying to kill him for millions of dollars um, or to save the dog. And he saves the dog because he's John Wick and he has a standard and you don't hurt dogs, which one completely aligned, empathize completely with that. But then you get to see Mr. Nobody like actually work on his side later. And like he watches the duel and, you know, is able to pour a beer out for his dog. And there's this just like, you find like that sequence is such a perfect example of how you're able to empathize and root for a guy who has killed like an entire country's worth of people over the course of these four films now. Like, despite everything that he is, the the uh, world that he is in, he still manages to prioritize a dog over his own life. And that's incredible. And it's long-term storytelling, too. It brings things full circle. And it makes Mr. Nobody more interesting. It makes every... Yeah, it's just so good. And I mean, we're not even talking about the Osaka Continental scene, which we should because it's fantastic. It's a great opening sequence for a film like this. Um, I'm, I'm not counting the one out in the desert. That one was fine. Um, it was honestly a little weird. The special effects there didn't quite land for me compared to everything else in the film. Uh, but luckily it didn't last very long, so who cares? Um, but like... Turns out Rina Sawayama is really fun to watch in an action role. Didn't see that spin going. Like, I, I knew she was going to be in it, and she certainly looks the part. Like, she she can, you know, like, handle herself well in that regard. I was not expecting her to be on screen as long as she was and to play as much of a role in that sequence as she did. Um, it was really cool. Just really well done. Uh, the, like beating up the guy and like knocking him into the drum and then bouncing back and knocking him in again like four times as more and more blood spray ends up on the thing. It's just, oh my God. It's Donnie Yen eating the bowl of noodles in the kitchen and then being yelled at to be like, get part of the fight. Oh, by the way, Donnie Yen, the reason he's called Kane is because he's blind. Yeah. And he's like, like putting the, the like uh, motion Dormals. sensors for like the din- <laughs> like, fantastic choice. Like, how smart is that? If you're a blind person, you have to, like, you're in an environment you're not familiar with. Like, what a perfect way to line up every shot. Like, damn, man. You, you I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a totally not serious question just because we said Donnie Yen's character name was Kane. Um, does this now mean that technically John Wick is part of the Marvel Universe because Daredevil's teacher was called Kane and was also a blind man? The new martial arts? I thought you were going to ask if he's part of the Bible cinematic universe and that John Wick was able. Um, 
John Wick is very able. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> True. Um, oh, man. But I just... It's it's just such a fun... It's such a fun series of films. Uh, and this one, I... Like, you know, you, you already spoiled your score. I... I'll spoil mine too. It's this film's fantastic. I don't know what more you want from a John Wick for. I honestly, for the life of me, can't think of a moment of this film outside of maybe the first couple minutes, just because there was something about the special effects in that uh, desert scene that felt a little bit off to me. Everything else was perfect. This was a perfect way to handle the character and the people that were in every single side character that got added is great. Um, just incredible. Just incredible. The, the one like little nitpicky moment I'll give is when Mr. Nobody has to pull his hand off the knife. That'll be my one like little nitpick of like, that's like, uh, I'm good with the violence. And, like, the fighting and everything. And, again, hey, your blood's going to happen. Stabbing. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. That moment was just like, oh, my God. I don't want to see that at all. Oh, God. That's fucking terrible. You're such a villain, Bill Skarsgård. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Which, it's it's funny you mention all the side characters. Because there's a bunch. We get Kane that gets introduced. Obviously, the Marquis gets introduced. We have uh, Shimazu Koji, who is the, the manager of the Continental. Mr. Nobody. Uh, Akira, which is the daughter of the manager of the Continental, and a concierge in her own right. Um, you have uh, Killa, who is played by Scott Adkins, who is the leader of the German table, which is the nightclub scene. Um, in, in all honesty, like the second Mr. Nobody was on screen for more than five minutes, I was like, yo, what the fuck is his story? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, can, can we get, can I get something with him? Like and I I and I I didn't know the actor I didn't know anything about him I no research like nothing and just like five minutes in I was like yo what the fuck is this dude's story yeah. and like now I'm like okay please give me a Mister Nobody story which they won't be able to call a nobody because Bob Odenkirk had that movie called Nobody which is a bummer now but like hey Nobody was actually a good movie and I know a Mister Nobody movie would be fucking fantastic please give me more of Mister Nobody and his dog like I legitimately want to learn more about this character. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Nobody's fantastic. Uh, using the dog the way that he did, again, really brings a lot of things thematically full circle. I also, like, one of the things that this film, and in, like, the John Wick series in general, is maybe underrated for is the writing. Um, mostly because there isn't a ton of it, right? Like, there's, like, your bits here and there that are meant to be connective tissue for the craziest fight scenes that you've ever seen. And so you have to get a lot of concepts in, in a short period of time. And so there's like very early on, you're in the Osaka continental and you're meeting uh, Akira for the first time. And like, she's going through the list of things that he needs to do. And she mentions like, Oh, you also have a meeting with your daughter. Um, like next tomorrow He's like, well, what's the meeting about? It's like, well, she's worried that you're working too much. And it's like, Oh, that's a sweet moment. Right? Like, you know, this daughter probably doesn't understand like what's going on with uh, her dad's line of work and why he has to do this. But, you know, isn't that sweet? And he makes a comment about like, what did I do to deserve a daughter who cares so much? And she's like, good karma. And it's like, oh, that's a sweet moment. You, he's he's the good guy. Right. Like, and, but then but then you get the reveal that she is the daughter and you realize two things. One, 
their relationship now as concierge and manager of the hotel matters so much more. And two, it's really cute that like they're like when they're working, they're work partners and their team and that. And then like there's a separate meeting where she gets to be the daughter. Like that's a different thing because there's a separation of the professional and the personal, but they still have both. That's, I don't know, that's like really clever character choice. It's a small thing. It's not like that takes a huge amount of screen time. If you don't care about that kind of thing, you can completely miss it. But like, it it just feels like one of those things you'd see again in like an RPG with like this side character that has this like extra backstory connection where it just comes together so cleanly with just a few lines of dialogue, just a few lines of dialogue and a couple moments uh, of the two of them bouncing off of each other. So you can see it in practice and then let's get all the guys because we're being invaded and everyone goes and grabs a bow and arrow and shurikens and it's fantastic. Um, and tantos and oh. Because oh, the other so thing, good. like, people can give the this film, you know, like, the, the series, I should say, some flack for, like, oh, everybody's an assassin. Isn't that kind of weird and funny? Ha ha. But, like, one of the things that's genuinely really cool about the world building is that because they've made these bulletproof suits, they've done two things from a utility perspective. One, guns can't solve every problem while still being important, right? If you get the headshot, then you win the fight. But at the same time, you can't do it purely off of that um, because no one's going to hit a headshot every time. You're going to have some body blows to try to stagger them back, which means, too, melee weapons matter because they're not slash-proof, they're bulletproof. Those are two different things, right? Slash-proof vests, bulletproof vests, two very different things, two very different pieces of tech. So it means that all these unconventional weapons aren't just the film wants to have a cool moment with a different type of weapon to have some variety into the the sequence, but it's also in-universe a really smart choice to have multiple different levels of technology to use in these fights because based on who you're attacking and the situation you're in, there is a legitimate situation in which the bow and arrow is better than the gun. How many action series do that that are based in the modern world? I can't think of any. Yeah, it's it's really not something that happens in movies that often unless it's like very, very specific. Like, oh, it, they're ninjas. No, like they're literal ninjas fighting against someone. Um, I'm trying to think what, like Shang-Chi, it's kind of in Shang-Chi where like they're, they're using martial arts and more traditional, um, like bow staffs and things like that versus like guys who actually have guns. Um, like I get that, but that's also because part of that movie happens with like a lost part of Nepal, Tibet, where, wherever exactly. And like, they never advanced into like the firearm age. Like they chose to lead a more simple life. That That's usually when it happens in modern movies. And like I said way earlier, like there is a care into everything, like a, a level of detail and care into all of the action that also appears in the like character building moments in these little moments. Um, you know, we brought up the the scene with uh, Wick and uh, Winston at, at Karen's grave and like Winston is talking to him about like, you know, I had to pick what to put on his tombstone and I thought of a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I 
I put friend because that's who he was. And John like walks away and is like loving husband. And I think that's one of like the most incredible things about this entire fucking series is like they try to make it about like Wick being torn between these two worlds, right? That he's like, ah, oh, you're really, it, it's that trope of like, you can't escape your past. You are, you're just a, a nonsensical killing machine. Like that's all you are. And like at no moment does John Wick go like, yeah, that you're right. That's all I am. The entire time from the moment he takes that sledgehammer in John Wick 1 and breaks open the concrete in his basement so he can go kill Theon Greyjoy. And I keep saying his Game of Thrones name because I can't remember the actor's name or his character's name. But like the second he's like, I got to go kill this guy because he like he fucking stole. He stole my wife's like my last memory of my wife from me. But, like, he's never, like, yeah, now I'm, like, he says I'm back, but, like, he's not back in terms of, like, yeah, I'm back to being just, like, this remorseless assassin. It's, like, no, I'm back to get revenge on someone who wronged me. And then throughout that entire process being, like, hey, you know what? Like, all those other people wronged me, too. Yeah. Like, people keep not wronging me leave. for some reason, yeah. <laughs> despite all of the killing I keep doing. People keep threatening dogs. What is up with that? Like, and, and he never loses himself. It's everyone else that he is dealing with that loses themselves. It's the the bad guy in the second movie is, you know, overcome by his uh, sister's death that he's like, I don't care. I'm going to break all the fucking rules and, you know, just do whatever the fuck I want. And then the one time he thinks he's safe because he's like, ah, John's going to, John just follows the rules. He's never going to shoot me inside the Continental. And John's like, think again, dirtbag. And just fucking shoots him in front of Winston. And Winston goes, John, Jonathan, what have you done? And John's like, I, I know exactly what I just did. I killed him. I, I killed the dude who's been like trying to drag me back into this shit. I fucking did it. Like he's gone. And then the high table is like, well, now we got to get revenge because now you're like, you're like double excommunicado. And then he survives that thing. And now they're like, well, you're triple excommunicado. You're, <laughs> you're fucking triple excommunicado. Get, get the fuck out of here. You need to die. And it's, it's, it's so well done. And there's those little moments. There's the moment where they're sitting at the table, you know, picking out what the fight is going to be. And like the Marquis is trying so fucking hard to get under John Wick's skin. And John is just like, when he says pistols, which is like, I know that was in the trailer, but just like the way he fucking says it, there is such a like, there's such an inflection to his voice that is like, I'm going to fucking get you. Like you don't, you don't realize this, but like, there's literally nothing on the planet that's going to stop me from killing you. And he's just this, like, it's unstoppable will. And just, again, Baba Yaga is such this, like, creeping darkness that's just coming. And like, at the end of the day, it's just a fucking dude who wants to retire and wants to be fucking left alone. And there's something that's so incredible. The, the trick that this film is able to pull, and, and all the John Wick films to a certain extent, like he is both an unstoppable force that goes through, mows down all these people, endures all these different, incredibly difficult and and uh, body intensive fight scenes. Just this um, full, just tenacity, strength of will, constitution, what what combination of all of these things. But they still find a way to make the pain hurt. You see him get hit by a car and it's visceral. You see his body fly and you're reminded that he's not invincible. You see it in the nightclub scene where he gets pushed over a ledge and just bam onto one of like the um, 
the oh god what are they the floor <laughs> no not the floor i mean on the way to the floor he hits like a wooden beam and so oh, you right, get like right, a bam yeah. and then it hits the second time and when it hit the beam i literally went Ooh! like there was a visceral reaction to that even though obviously i know he's gonna be fine like this is john wick he's not dying to the mid boss but at the same time like that hurt and it hurt because this film knows how to shoot these kinds of things. And they know how to toe this line between John Wick, the ghost, as people keep trying to paint him into this corner that just has already died but exists only to keep killing. And the human being who ha- like is very good at this but takes a lot of punches and the thing that makes him superhuman compared to everybody else is the fact that he's really stubborn and isn't going to go down without a fight. And that's, again, there's just so much about this film that uh, that works really well. And, I mean, I, we, we have to get into the ending now, right? Like, we're, we're there. It's time. Yeah. So, People, so spoiler alert, folks. So, yeah. So, spoiler alert. Should we do the ratings now? It's a 10 out of 10 for me. I just, yeah, it's a 10 out of 10. Go see this film amazing if you somehow got this far and didn't realize we were i was giving it a 10 out of 10 i don't know what to tell you it's a great film go watch it i don't know you you spent so much time on that desert scene at the beginning i thought you might give it a nine and a half (laughs) oh man even me the nitpick that i have to be it's a 10 what what more do you want an action film to be i don't and let's 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 go into it now we got to talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. so 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 we gotta we gotta run this final sequence here so if you are leaving us because you have not seen the the end of the film come back in two weeks we'll see you then this is spoiler i'm gonna go five seconds silence and then continue That was less than five seconds. I don't fucking care. So basically, John Wick, from the moment they get up from the table where they pick the duel, he meets the Bowery King. He gets his new suit. He gets a gun. Winston goes off because obviously they're not going to try to kill Winston. Like, who fucking cares? We want to kill John Wick. And he is racing from, like, the Arc de Triomphe, basically, to the the uh, Sacré-Cœur. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, Sacré-Cœur. And there is this radio DJ that is very sultry and voluptuous voice. Basically, like, I, like, kind of not saying they're trying to assassinate somebody, but basically being, like, as obvious as possible, like, yeah, you little cats, do you want to go kill a dog? <laughs> like, just, and it's it's very well done, and there's all this great music, so they start, and she's, like, trailing where they're going, and that's the, you know, the moment where you have the, you know, your your ambition doesn't outweigh your usefulness, that entire thing. Mr. Nobody calls the the um the marquee and is like, you gotta up the bounty for me to get into it. He ups the bounty. We get we get the uh hotline Miami sequence. That ends, the dog doesn't get shot. Mr. Nobody's like, oh shit, like this dude cares about my dog. That's really fucking weird. We get the fight, the first fight up the stairs. He gets knocked all the way back down the stairs, which that was the scene where I'm like, holy fuck, that must have fucking hurt. Yeah, because he we rolls get- down, gets punched a second time, and then rolls down another crate, like three flights of stairs in a row. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Then we get the sequence where Kane shows up, Kane helps him get up, they fight their way back up, Mr. Nobody joins them, and now we are at the Sacred Heart of, of Paris. 
we are at the the cathedral. Uh, Winston and the Marquis have been sitting there. Uh, there is the um, the harbinger, who's like kind of the bodyguard or like the the rules master of the high table. He's there. Everything is ready, and we have the showdown between Kane, who is technically the Marquis second, but is the one that's he's his champion, so he'll be the one that's going to do the fighting because the Marquis says if you kill John Wick. I will grant you and your daughter your freedom, which let's be honest, if he, if Kane won, the Marquis wasn't going to do that shit. Are you kidding me? There's no way that was going to happen. His daughter would have been dead anyways. And we get 30 paces with dueling pistols and Winston, you know, says his, his thing to, to John and Kane and John both fire at each other. And they, like, both graze each other's arms. Because it's 30 paces and it's, like, old-school dueling pistols. Mm -hmm. So, okay, until someone dies, we're going to move in 10, 10 paces. So they move in 10 paces and now 20 paces apart. Bang! Both get, like, uh, uh, Kane gets hit in, like, the, the stomach, like, kidneys kind of off to the side. Not a death blow, but definitely, like, in the, in the you know, stomach area. And John gets hit in the shoulder. And they move closer. And there's 10 more paces. And they fire again. And John hits the deck. And the Marquis, sensing blood in the water, stands up and demands the coup de grace. So he grabs the gun out of, Kane, out of Kane's hand and Kane goes, am I free? Have I done my bidding? He's like, yeah, 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 you're free, you're free, you're free. Don't worry about it. And the, and the Marquis goes to do the coup de grace, the final shot. And Winston just starts fucking laughing. Mm -hmm. And like, the Marquis is like, what's so funny? And Winston's like, you fucking idiot. He didn't shoot. Yeah. And then Wick pulls the gun and just bam. Yeah. Oh my, I am in a theater with like, I don't know, 10 other people. And I'm double fist pump, Rocky fists in the air going like, fuck yeah. It's, it's great for on multiple levels, right? One, the, the Winston doing like, you arrogant asshole. He didn't fire is great, but it's also really great because as you pointed out earlier, right, this is a film that tracks how many bullets have been shot. If you are a, a person who pays attention to these things and you want to get the like, oh, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to put context clues together in order to figure out how this next thing is going to go. You can tell that only one shot gets fired the third time because it's a little bit quieter, even though they're yep. both closer. Like it is... You, you know when he falls down that he has done this if you are paying attention. Now, the Marquis is an asshole who is arrogant, thus Winston's very accurate uh, diagnosis before he gets shot. Like, but he's so, like, ready to win and so ready to be the one to claim the credit because he wants the credit so bad because he's just so hungry to, to get whatever power he can and to, like, fight back against the, the harbinger who made the point of, like, you know, don't overextend beyond your worth. He's like, well, I, I mean, I got to prove that I'm worth it, right? This is the thing to do. And that arrogance gets him killed. And it's fantastic. And it's even more fantastic because that gambit gives John everything he wanted he played the guy like a fiddle and it kills him because of course it does. He just got shot from 10 feet away and just let it happen. Like you're not that third shot is not going to go well for you, but he, you know, there's like a back and forth where uh, he talks to Cain about, you know, those who cling to life find death. 
those who cling to death find life. He has let go. He has a thing he wants to do. He has been asked this entire film, how do you think this story is going to end? And he chooses his ending. If I'm going to die, I'm not doing it by killing Cain, a friend of mine. I'm killing this fucking marquee. And I am willing to take that third bullet from 10 feet away if it means I get to get this guy. Because if I'm going to die anyway, if there is no world for me in a place in which I just get my freedom and ride off into the sunset, which there were interviews that the director did before this came out where he's like, I mean, what, what, the, what the fuck do you think we're going to do with John Wick, right? Like, he can't have a happy ending. Like, he's, he's just going to fall in love with a love interest? Fuck no. He's fucked for the rest of his life. And it's like, yes, yes, he is. And he knows it, and he acts accordingly, and he gets what he wants in his last action. And it's in, it, perfect, perfect, perfect ending, perfect ending. Um, which I, leads me to uh, a point that I don't want to make, but I have to. But first, is there anything else about this ending you want to say other than it's perfect? Because it's pretty perfect. And he gets his loving husband thing. It, it all comes full circle. It's, it's pretty fucking perfect. Because Wick doesn't say a goddamn word. He just does what he came here to do. And nobody tries to, like, touch him or anything. And they just let him go. Because he's free. Right? The, the Harbinger is like... You're free of your obligations, Winston. You're going to get the Continental back. All these things. And he just like walks down the stairs and he goes and he sits on the stairs and he just stares off into the sun because, hey, all that darkness that's been hanging over him his entire fucking life, it's gone. It's all gone. It's, it's, it's a new sunrise. And I will say I don't like that it is slightly ambiguous. I feel potentially uh, uh, Christian Bale Dark Knighted here. That might possibly happen. That, you know, the Batman Rises. That I, I don't want that. I, in my heart of hearts, do not want a John Wick 5 in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, well, at first, I, I will also add, he does say one thing to Winston, which is, uh, will you take me home? And he's yes. not saying, will, you take, will you take me back to New York where I have a house? He's will saying, you take me home? will you take me next to my wife's grave when I die right now? Which is the thing that's about to happen to me, um, which is incredible. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, it turns out that everyone else kind of agrees with our assessment of this film. It is the highest grossing film in the John Wick series um, and the fifth highest grossing film of the year, which for an R-rated film like this is insane. Um, still obviously in theater, so it's only going to continue to grow from here. Um they were originally going to do a part four and a part five, right? The original plan was to film the two films together. And then they yes. realized with John Wick four, it's like, well, but we have our ending here. We're not going to stretch it into two films just to stretch it into two films. Like we're just going to do the film that we want. And at one point it was very clear that, uh, he said, uh, there were no plans for a sequel. He said, uh, like John Wick was dead. He said at one point, in an interview that uh, that that he confirmed that, and then later, once it started making a lot of money because it was an unforeseen level of commercial success, as Wikipedia puts it, suddenly the director was open to a sequel, which is unfortunate. It's like you had the ending, 
in which both the director and Keanu Reeves both said, yeah, you're right, John's dead. That happened. And now, because they're going to get so much money for the sequel, now it's ambiguous and open to interpretation. And that's a bummer. Here, here's, here's the thing, though. I think Keanu has the final say. And something about this feels very Keanu will say no. Something just kind of tells me that the way this ended and the fact like they're doing some spinoffs, right? We're yeah. getting a, a, a movie called Ballerina that is going to have Anna de Armas as the, as the lead. Fantastic um, and, for the record. Great choice to, yeah. to do for your spinoff start. Whew, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fan myself real quick on that selection. Um, and like Reeves is gonna be in that movie because of course he is. Like you have to at least tie it in somehow. Um, they're doing a uh, spinoff TV series which is at, is on gonna be on Peacock. That's a three part series about the Continental and about how Winston kind of takes control of it. Hey, here's the thing, guys. Here, here's a smart idea. Um, Keanu is like what fifty five. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe like. Let him decide if he wants to keep going. And if Keanu is like, yeah, I found, you know, we found a really good script. He's 58. We got a really good script here. You know, we decided to bring him back because, you know, a really good script and like, we just want more money. Fine. I'll eat crow. So be it. But like, hey, you know what? I'd really like to see. I'd like to see the beginning of John Wick. Yeah. Like prior to John Wick one. Can can I get some young John Wick here? Like they remember, maybe you don't remember, but there was like a 25 movie series of young Indiana Jones that was like all on VHS. Like, can I get that? Please, please God. I mean, Oh, and can I also get a Mr. Nobody series? Yeah. The Mr. Nobody series. I'm a little bit more excited about. I also like, so the post credit scene that apparently you didn't get to see, uh, is, uh, Rina Sawayama, Akira, uh, making her way back in France uh, or I think it's France where uh, Kane's yes. daughter is. Um, yep. And he's got some flowers and he's finally going to see her because for the first time she's not in danger anymore. And Rena is coming towards him. And the last thing you see is the knife coming out. I want the Kane Akira series. Like g- give me more Rena Sawayama uh, in, an, in an action role like that. I- I'll watch whatever she's up to. Um, great, great musician, uh, did a really good job here. And Donnie Yen, he said he wants to do more in this universe. Give him a spinoff. What are we doing? Like, just make that happen. We don't need John Wick 5. As much as I love Keanu Reeves, and I do love Keanu Reeves in this, it is incredible how much of his own stunts that he does. And you can go on YouTube and see his training like that he does. And it's like this military style drill. And he's genuinely the badass that he plays in the film. It's just incredible. But like, they've created a world now. And the series, what it's ultimately known for, more than just John Wick, is for creating unconventional action sequences that push the medium forward and do things that nobody else is doing. Making a use of their R rating to elevate so many things that would have been like, you know, solid action films are are relatively easy to make. A series like John Wick isn't. But even if Keanu isn't there, there's so much you can do with some of these characters. And I, I'm cool with this becoming a cinematic universe. I, 
I'm certainly much more interested in that than I am in John Wick 5, because I agree with you. This should be the end. This was the Logan moment. We got it. It was fantastic. Leave him alone. Let's do the rest of it. There's so much other stuff you can do. Um, and I think whether we get that is going to depend on how successful Valerina is, both critically and commercially. Um, because if it does well, Lionsgate will probably ease up. If it doesn't, they're going to be like, so when's Keanu coming back? When's Keanu bringing us our money again? That We need to back up the money truck. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, if this is the end, and I hope it's the end for John Wick in particular, what a way to go out. So Chase, here's why I think Ballerina is going to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, Atomic Blonde came out in 2017. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been like seven years since we've had like, uh, a really, really, really good female-led action movie. Yeah, I, here's the thing about Atomic Blonde, though. Uh, it didn't make John Wick Chapter Four money. It made a good amount of money. It was like a, a oh, like, I'm sorry. You thought you thought I was talking about from Lionsgate's perspective. No, I'm talking about from my perspective. Oh yeah, no, I'm um, I'm hype. <laughs> Let me be clear. I don't watch Anadarmus in, in an action film anywhere. Um, oh yeah should be good it should be real good i i I'm, I'm like talked out dude i i don't know how else i can verbally uh let's see let me get a thesaurus up and see if i can find some different words here because i i it's a 10 out of 10 it's a fucking amazing incredible movie that is now uh it's now third on the list behind everything everywhere all at once in cocaine bear of like hey you need to see a movie okay which movie did you want to watch and speaking of cocaine bear i wanted to make a joke like numerous times about you being like yeah john wick like takes damage and actually feels it and i wanted to be like yeah and he doesn't need cocaine to have superpowers <laughs> like cocaine bear but like no but we bro, did, oh my god we did get the the german villain who used the inhaler the way that cocaine bear yes. would use cocaine so we got a bit we got a little bit was of he energy. was he like i think he just had asthma like i legit i don't think he was like fucking you know bane superpowering himself i think he legitimately was like holy shit i'm out of breath i need i need my asthma medication. i mean i mean yes and i'm just saying most people of his size with that condition don't run as quickly as he does and certainly don't get up after the first time it looks like he's dead like he it sure seemed to breathe some extra life into him quite literally I'm so glad they kingpinned him. And we're like, hey, big dude knows how to throw himself around. I really was worried that that was going to be another like, oh, he's just like the head of the table. It's, you know, he's this big fat dude. He can't fight. And then he was like, nah, I'm about to throw down with John Wick. Let's fucking go. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so there is one best part of that scene, which is that he does this like villain monologue in which yep. he's like, everyone thinks they have the winning hand, but it turns out yep. it was rigged from the start. And Kane just says, what, does he have like five of a kind or some shit? And it's like, he's got five, he says he has five twos, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just, he yeah, he's like, he called it. It's like Kane recognized the trope from a mile away and calls it out in a way that felt real. It felt refreshing. I don't know. There's, there's so much that in a lesser film might come off as uh, either stale or trying too hard or whatever. It just all fucking works. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, watch it. Go see it. If you haven't seen it, uh, I don't like. I don't know what took you so long to get through this entire episode before seeing it. Uh, if you have seen it, maybe go see it again. I would like more films like this, please. If we want to encourage them to do so, uh, that'd be neat. 
you owe it to yourself to watch that nightclub scene in uh, Dolby Digital Surround Sound with that bass, like, in your stomach. <laughs> Just, like, go see it in a theater. I don't care if you have to go see it in, like, one of the dollar theaters that are keeping it, like, that get the film six weeks later. Like, just go see it on a giant, go see it on a silver screen. I forget the actress that's at the beginning of all the AMC movies that's, like, you know, AMC, we make movies better. Like, I forget who that is, but, like, go see it on a silver screen. This movie actually really fucking deserves it. And then watch it on demand when it comes out on on demand and then buy a DVD copy of it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to convince Lionsgate to make John Wick 5. Shit. Uh Chase, before I talk myself into a John Wick 5 movie, take us home. Where can the folks at home find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Chase Wassner on Twitter. You can find the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Um let us know what you think of John Wick, where you place this in the uh, overall rankings for the John Wick franchise. How do you feel about a John Wick Part 5? Uh, which character would you most like to see get the spinoff that basically all of them deserve? Uh, let us know. We love hearing from y'all. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, Mr. Nobody, that's that's the one that sticks out the most for me. Uh, as always, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And uh, come back in two weeks. I, Chase and I haven't really decided what movie we're going to talk about, but I think it has something to do with brushes. I don't fucking know. We just watch movies and talk about them for an hour and a half. Until then, <laughs> goodbye, internet. <laughs>